Church at 4 p.m. It's a Saturday at 4 o'clock. Be out here on the ground to come out for a family day and a time to share honor with Purdue's, the W hamburgers, hot dogs, and all the trains, along with homemade ice cream and homemade cakes. Uh, Family-oriented games will be played after the meal. Bring your outdoor chairs and enjoy the fun time of fellowship with Purdue's.
Can we lift our hands and give God glory and honor this His father-in-law, Prince of Midian, he led the flock by 
on the back of the desert, came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush is burning with fire, but the bush is not consumed. That's a miracle. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. Did you see worship? This is worship right here. Here I am. Then he said, don't draw near to this place. Take off your sandals. Take the sandals off your feet for the place that you are standing. I love this verse. It is holy Moreover, he said, I'm the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. The Lord said, I shall send the fresh of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sorrows. Don't ever think God doesn't know what you're going through. He does. And just because God hasn't showed up yet doesn't mean he's not going to show up. You be faithful and committed, and I promise you, God is going to show up. So I have come down to live with them. Out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them to a land that is good and large, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 9, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. I also send the oppression with which the Egyptians have oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. It would help me if one day when I go down, if I could just locate Moses. Because I want to find him, and there's something that I need to know. He wasn't Charlton Heston, like Charlton Heston that we saw in the movies. He was just a normal, ordinary guy. I need to get to Moses because I need to understand so I can relate with him. Because sometimes I look at him always like he's right here under God. But Moses is an ordinary man on the backside of a desert. Nobody hardly even knows his name. I'm telling you, when I get there, I just need to meet Moses to understand whatever he turns out to be. I know this. He was in a spiritual as well as a geographical locationally desert. In his spirit life, he was low. He's in a desert, spiritual desert, famine if I can say it that way. Geographically, he finds himself in the desert. The events in his life, and I'll go through a few of them for you in just a few moments, but the events that have brought him to this burning bush experience with God is profound. In that experience, he learned some remarkable things about true worship in God. The first point is this, the purpose of worship. That's your first point, the purpose of worship. We need to settle and establish the why. Why is God calling us to worship? The why. Do you know the older I get, the more I question the why? When I was coming up, I had a cousin, and it was hilarious, because one day he decided to tell me to jump out of a tree, and I'm like, okay. Who thinks like that? A teenager? I don't mean to offend you guys this morning, but teenagers don't have the time to use their brain. They just act, they do it, and then they suffer the consequences after thoughts of what they did. The older I get, the more I am starting to ask, why do I do what I do? If someone wants to say to me that, preacher, I want you to go and smell that tree, I want you to jump out. I'm going to look at you and say, why in the world would I jump out of this tree? The first question I have for you is, are you going to pay me? And if the money's right, I will. <laughs> Come on, the hospital bill, a few expenses, baby, I'm in. The second question that I would have to say is, 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 is maybe it's a record of Guinness World Book of Records. I don't know if they have a record for the person that survived the highest tree jump. Is it from the Guinness World Book of Records? Maybe we're making a movie. If we're making a movie, they've got this string that you can't see on the screen attached to me, and it just makes it look like I jumped out of the tree. I need to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I want to know why I need to worship God. What difference does it make? 2 Corinthians 4, 17. I'm looking for what Scripture refers to as the weight of glory. That's the why of worship. 
Because glory outweighs the present circumstances. So understand with me this worship. I'm not interested in a, in a dose of, of what I'll call a daily dose of the, of the feel goods. I need something deeper than that. Worship is not just this recital of, of, of some ritualistic stuff like some churches do. Or taking part in some program irrelevance. Copying someone else's motions. You know, when I was growing up, when, I was, uh, when our kids were growing up, it was funny. Because I loved it because they were copycats, right? They copy everything we do. And so when you get in church, it's beautiful. Whenever you lift your hands and you look at that little tiny baby that, that's just like you had a lot of people throwing his hands up to praise God. And you shout amen and I, I've been preaching for it and her baby screaming to me. Amen! Dylan, uh, Dylan and Hillary's boys, whatever. Different. I remember one Sunday. I remember just as like it was yesterday. One day I heard a loud amen. Nobody else was shouting. It's like a little baby. I love it. We kind of can teach. That's teaching moments with them. But after we come to adulthood, we can't follow the program. And we can't do it just because somebody tells us to. Because in programming is really what we try to do with grace. When we, we try to turn people into a bunch of robots, we're almost like the cheerleaders on the football team. Somebody praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Preacher said this. Somebody kick a leg. Just don't rip your britches when you do it. Somebody kicks a leg. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shouts hallelujah. We clap. We do what we're told to do because so often we get in this rut of a routine that says I've been programmed how to do it. That's praise. But worship is different. I cannot program you to worship. I can talk to you in the praise. I can preach hard enough to get you to shout hallelujah. I can preach good enough, hopefully, that before this thing's over, when I say get my hands up and praise, it just feels this feel because you're feeling something in your soul, and I love that. But when it comes to your commitment to Christ, there is nothing I can really do. Because worship is deeper than what I can program or what I can preach. It is something that takes place inside of you. Not anything external. It is all about what is going on inside of you. But yet worship has this practical pursuit of powerful intent. There is a purpose for worship to God. So praise can be programmed. Worship cannot. But when I get into this place of commitment in worship, I begin to learn some things. First off, I begin to discern my destiny. What's my destiny? My destiny is why I'm here. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I definitely don't want to go through my entire life feeling irrelevant. I don't want to go through my whole life thinking, man, you haven't made a difference at all. When I get to heaven, I want to be able to say, man, I made a difference. I don't care if it's the five people with sphere, the sphere of friends that God put you around. Make a difference in their life. Be that difference. I don't care if you're not a leader of a company, if you're not the leader of a church. Forget about all that. If you only got a sphere of two or three people around you, influence their life for the better. Make a difference in their life. That's what God has put. God has put destiny on us. The destiny is different in all of us. But in worship, we begin to find out some things. I find out who I am when I find out who He is. Did y'all grab that? But the point is that what we do, we find out 
Eli walks into the house. This woman is groaning and moaning. 
secret, but she discovers it through her worship. Mary discovers her destiny as a mother of the Messiah through worship. For in Luke 1, she declared, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The early church discovers their destiny as the initiators of revival through their worship. They prayed, they fasted for 10 days. Pentecost continued in the early church. There are things in my life that I will never know, that I will never discover until I get in worship with Him. There are some things in my life, some places God wants to take me that I've never been before. I will not experience them or discover them until I get along in His presence. Listen, there's somebody here that says, Preacher, I don't know what God's doing there. I'm going to tell you, you can discover your destiny today during this worship service. Can somebody say amen? Listen, it's good to hear that and everything. I was thinking that we, our group speak at 945, right? 1030 ish, blah, blah, blah. But when we come to 1050, do you know what we call this? We don't call it a praise service. Anybody ever notice that? We call it a worship service. And I didn't realize until I was studying yesterday. There's a reason we do that. There's a why. There's a purpose to this. And the reason we do it is because we don't want people just to come and be superficially touched by the power of God for a couple of days. We want something to happen in this field every Sunday that will change you for your entire life. It is important to know where God meets us at. You know, when I was coming up, I had this place. I remember when I was growing up, I had a place of worship. We need a place of worship. We need a place of worship. I was reading the Bible. Adam, God. They would meet in the garden in the cool of the day, every single day, and Adam would talk to God as if he was talking to a man. Anybody remember reading that in the Bible? I read of Abraham that the Bible said that he had given over and he would come back to that place and he would meet with God. And God would meet with him. Abraham would meet with God. They'd have a conversation. The Bible said Abraham went his way and God went his way. It was as if there was an appointment. But I found in my life, and I'm sure you have yours, that we are so busy that we find it very difficult to set an appointment with God. We can set, is anybody here to preach today? I'm preaching to us on the whole bench of the back. Even the choir section over here. Listen to me. We will change our calendar and our agenda to put things on. We can have something scheduled and call our doctor and because our doctor takes six months to get to us and if we've got a, a sickness to the mountain 
The pathway of worship. The pathway of worship. And I'll close with this. Don't forget that there's a process that Moses had to go through before he even makes it to the desert. Right? To experience this glory like I'm talking about, this worship at this deep of a level and experience, you're going to have to go through some hell on earth to get there. It's not going to be easy. Why don't you notice some of the steps that go on in Moses' life? In chapter 2, the Bible says that the Pharaoh has pretty much said if your two years are under, you're to be thrown into the Nile. The Nile, what is it known for? Anybody know? This is Bible study time. It starts with the sea. It's an animal. It's got a lot of thinking. Crocodile. And so what's going to happen is as they throw the babies over, crocodiles are just going to eat them. They're like little chickens going over to them for all they know. It's a free meal. Baby can't fight. Feeding the babies to them. But one day, Moses' mother said, You know what? I'm going to make this little basket of bulrushes. I'm going to put my baby in there. He may not make it, but at least we'll have some type of protection. And so she puts him down that stream. You know, long story short, she ends up Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter, this is a beautiful baby. To which God has worked everything perfectly. To where the baby's got to get nursed. So guess who's going to nurse it? The mama. And so the sister says, I know this Hebrew lady. I know her. She can do it. If you just, why is my, this life just taking it? And he's crying. You gotta have to do it. Take it off her. Who can take it? And Molly ended up raising him on her knee. And he also was raised in the same palace that he was gonna go back and look at a fair one saying, In the name of the Lord, you're letting my people go. It is his own people that he is gonna say, I want somebody to listen to me and listen to me good. Moses, 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 what is happening? There's some steps that are taken. Once the bush is caught on fire, he kills the Egyptian that is fighting with one of his Jewish or Hebrew brothers. And he gets angry and he kills him. I want you to understand. Moses turned aside from his shepherd to give his attention totally to God. He gave his attention to that bush. God will meet someone who will turn towards him. Ridiculous things called Legos. Dad, 
Moms, don't it just make you cringe when you think about it? You open this box with five million pieces and pour it out. And you thank God, please, this is going to be ours. And I remember I'd pull them things out. And as a little fellow, he would go to those Legos and he'd start off strong. I'd say, now what we're going to do, we're going to separate all the colors. Let's color code these things. We're going to take the twos and the threes and the fours and the fives. And you stack them. Colors, and you stack them in the, the, the size of them or whatever. It'll make our job easier. About five minutes in, I guess he wanted to run and get some juice. Then he never came back. <laughs> I walk in there and he's on the on his Nintendo Switch or whatever they call those little things, just playing away. I ended up being the Lego now. But you know what I did one night? I was tired. And I was getting rid of you, just to be honest with you. And I said, fully with these instructions, I'm gonna skip a few steps. Now, you know what I learned that night? You cannot skip steps on Legos! Because I got pretty, and I made it look like I wanted to look. But the next morning when he went to grab it, guess what happens to my hard work? It comes crumbling down. I have not followed the steps. And I think that sometimes this is what happens in our worship and commitment to Christ is God says, we've got this movement and I'm taking you to the promised land. I'm taking you to a place of destiny. I'm going to give you an experience like you've never had before. But before you get there, Brian, there's step one, step two, step And in our impatience, I know I have, I said, God, let's just skip that step. Let's get this thing done. I'm impatient anyhow. And any time I've done that, it has come crumbling down because God has a system. And if you are going to worship Him in spirit and in truth, you are going to have to follow the steps. You're going to have to go through the good times. Yeah. But you're also going to have to go through the hard times. You're going to be lonely. You're going to go through heartbreak. But at the end of the day, when God's finished with you, my Lord, you're going to have a God of God experience. And you're going to know you can go back to that place. God will meet you there. Take off your shoes, Moses. I'm a hurry to lose notes. Take off the shoe and bridge shoe of all you picked up on your way to your worship experience. It gets rid of all the filth. You know the bottom of your shoes are filthy. I was thinking the other day, if I think about it too much, people are going to come and walk in my house and go, oh, she's off. Just don't think about it. It disgusts you. Everywhere these shoes have been, these feet have been, it's nasty. God said to Moses, I need you to get them shoes off. If you're going to walk into my presence, those dirty shoes have got to go. Just like the priest going into the holy place or the holy of holies. And God said, they're getting ready to walk in. God said, oh, you can't go into that dirty garment. Take it off. Go wash it the lake. Put on some new garments, some fresh clothes, and enter into my presence. Secondly, it rids you of what has been fashioned with your own hands. You no longer stand on your cause. But now you are standing on what he has done and what he is doing in your life. In other words, you're standing here because of him. These shoes haven't got me there. These feet haven't got me there. It's God that got me there. This church is not my shoes. It's God. It's a holy place. It's holy ground. Your family, your marriage, your successes, your money, whatever it is that God has blessed you with. It is not you that got there. You look back at it. It's the steps that God took you through to bring you to this place. Take off your shoes, Moses. You are the reason. It's you. And in that moment, he said to him, I am that I am. God is calling us to get rid of everything that smells of the past. The person you used to be, that's who these old shoes represent. Take them off. 
who lived it in the past. Walk into a new experience. Go into a new place. Don't let the shoes hold you back, Moses. Take them off. Get rid of it. I forsake my struts. I give up my gates. I learn to walk only before him, not in my power, but in the power and the might of the Holy Spirit. When I move the shoes, I got two feet back. I'm delighted. I know growing up, we had kids that walk in there, think he is black, this boot, that young hospital right there. Just nasty feeling, driving inside. Kids used to go outside, get out there, go to Grandma and Papa's house. That's right, I just said, they're sitting on the front here. You get back, you start struggling, and your white claw turns black. Ooh, this is nasty. Maybe just a giggle. Love it every day. And then you It is in this moment. With shoes removed, that I tend to do. And even when I do remove my shoes, I walk carefully. Anybody ever sit on the kettle? It's amazing what that little jerkers can do to your feet. A rock, you're being careful. Moses, take off your shoes. Now, when you get around people, you're going to talk right. You're going to look right. You're going to start doing things. You are walking humbly in my presence. And he says to God, but God, you don't Moses, take off your shoes. Because when you take them off and walk over before me and begin to worship me and commit yourself to me, you ain't going to have to learn what you said at that I am that I am has sent you. That's what you need to say, boy. Take your shoes off. Let's stand on pleasure. Is the ground that you worship on. It is there that God pours out adequacy for you to do His will. It is there He gives you wisdom. It is there He gives you sufficiency and provision for your journey. The upper room, Acts chapter 2. It's just a plain old room, right? And when Jesus told them, said, Go to that room and you tell them we're going to need that room. The disciples probably thought to themselves, what's so special about that room? It's not a banquet hall. It's probably just an old car. Grand room. Maybe a few windows. Nothing special. He said, you go get that room. You see, in that room was just a room until the presence of God showed up. And they began to worship in that room. They said, God, for 10 days we will not eat, we will not drink, we will fast, we will pray until the promise of the Holy Spirit comes and comes like as a fire set upon all of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave A normal room became holy. God could take your extra bedroom down. And when you walk in there, it not just be carpet. Or it not just be hardwood. But it's holy ground. Anywhere that God shows up, the place that you walk becomes holy. Jesus, touch us right now. Holy God of heaven, let our worship bring us into your presence. Help us that we would not get so bogged down and just praise. And praise, by the way, is a form of worship. But it is not true worship. For worship is something that happens inside of us. I am asking you today to change us. I am asking you today, right now in our spirit, speak to every born again Give us a flash in our mind of the place that you want to meet with us at. Show us the place 
that right now you are making holy ground for us to meet you. Thanks to God today, I've preached my heart out. I challenge us today. Find that place, wherever it is. I don't care where it is. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and tell you where it is. But when you find that place, if I were you, I'd just take my shoes off. And I'd walk into that room, I'd say, God, I am entered in the Holy Spirit. Show you that place of worship. There's some things for you to learn. There's some things that God wants to teach.